Pastor Pat is on leave, and, and um, we honor him for that. And I, I thought about this message a long time, because normally in the evening service, I, I preach the evening services, and, and normally I'm, I'm in a series, so um, then I get to do this long-standing messages. Uh, and luckily, I, I have the dates far in advance, so, so it, can, it can meditate in my heart, and, and I can think about it. And I thought about this, this, this concept of the heart of a loving father, uh, which, which we need uh, reminding of, because sometimes we forget, and most of us don't forget just because we want to forget. It's, it's, it's sometimes difficult to see God as, as a loving father um, because of our sometimes our, our earthly fathers, their, their image that they portrayed. And, and, and I'm not sure in, in which boat you are and how your dad uh, treated you or how, how was his, his way of living towards you. I, I, I can't speak for you. I can, I can speak for my dad and my dad-in-law, my father-in-law, both loving, caring, uh, very strict. Um, but but I'm, I'm thanking him today for that. Uh, and that's my image. Um, and normally that, that would represent the image of God because you have a reference point. And I'm not sure what your reference point is this morning, but I would love to remind you of, of a story that Jesus told us. And it's probably the most um, popular story that he has told. And, and most of us that's long enough in church, we would know this story almost by heart. Uh, and that makes it dangerous because that means we can also check out very quickly. Oh, he's going to preach about that. Heard everything about it. But we need constant reminders of who God is. And he's a loving father. And, and I want to paint this picture for you this morning. And my hope and my, my prayer is that you will walk out this morning seeing God for who he really is. Because church, he loves you. And you need to be reminded of it. And we're going to uh, read out of Luke 15. Um, and I'm going to give context in a moment. But this is the three stories that Jesus told, uh, very popular stories. Uh, the, the story of, of the lost sheep, a uh, story of the lost coin, and the story, the famous story of the prodigal son. And most of us has heard that story, and, and we can identify in those stories uh, very quickly because of our upbringing and because where we are in our journey today as we go along. So I want to read for you verse 1 and 2. It says the following. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. This is Jesus. The tax collectors and the sinners were all drawing near to him. Now, when, when there's a reference of tax collectors and sinners, it's, it's probably a euphemism of of people that the rest of society don't want to deal with. It's, it's, it's those people who, who, who are outcasts, those people who, who, who is regarded as dirty people. You don't mix with them. They, they don't belong. And it's a fascinating word that is in there. Now, the tax collectors, meaning the sinners, the people, the outcasts, the broken, the, the, the dodgy guys, we're all drawing near to him. 
They were drawn to Jesus. How much love is there in a person that the sinners and the outcasts and those who don't belong is being drawn towards someone? There must have been a lot of love beaming out of Jesus for those people to be drawn to him. And it's probably a picture of us as, 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 as Christians, how we ought to be. People that is broken, that have sins in their lives that nobody want to mix with, ought to be drawn towards us. It's probably a different sermon for a different day. But that's who Jesus is. And then the very next verse, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Again, euphemism, the Pharisees and the scribes is, are those who, who walked the line, they've walked it by the book, they've done everything right. They were technically the churchgoers. They were the ones that was right. They did it as the book says. And they grumbled. And Jesus decided as he heard them, look at that. Look at Jesus eating with those sinners. And he starts to tell these three stories. Story of the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the story of the prodigal son. Who actually is more about a loving father than the prodigal son. And there's also another brother that we're going to get to this morning. So read with me from verse 11 as we read together. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me my share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. If I just can stop for a moment there and give context. This is a Middle Eastern boy asking his dad for his share of inheritance. Now we as a westernized culture need to understand something about what is happening here. This is probably the most inappropriate thing a boy could have done in that age and day. Asking his dad for his inheritance while he was still alive was probably the most inappropriate thing. And I don't think we in Australian context have a, a word for what just happened here. Normally what would have happened in, in this instance is the dad would have gone, Hey, there's the door. I've just disowned you because of what you've done. That is the custom of the day that should have happened. That is what, what, what should have happened. But Jesus is telling this story, remember, to the scribes, to the churchgoers. And, and, and he's probably infuriating them by starting off by, what, what do you mean? A boy just said to his dad, I want your inheritance and he's not even dead yet. In Australia, I, I can't think of a thing in Australia or a word. Uh, if, if I had to, to, to give my best analogy, an Australian analogy is probably the following words. Flipping off your old man. It's worse than that. This is what just happened. And Jesus is, is telling the scribes. And, and I, I, I bet they are leaning in because now... What are you about to say? What is about to happen here? Verse 13. 
Not many days later, the youngest son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in orkless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of the country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. Reminder, Middle Eastern boy, they don't eat pig. It's illegal for them to eat bacon. And he's going to spend his time amongst the bacon. And he was longing to be fed with the pots that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, the father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. That word ran is very important for later in this message. Verse 21, and the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this is my son, uh, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his oldest son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come home. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But then the son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me. All and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this, your brother was dead and he is alive. He was lost and he is found. Let's just pray. Lord, thank you for your word, and thank you, Lord, that we can share your word this morning. I pray, Lord, that you will work this morning through your message and through your word, Lord. May your Holy Spirit just help us understand your love for us as a loving Father. We pray that in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone says, Amen. So here's a question that I think we we sometimes struggle with, 
And sometimes it, it, is, it is in season for us where, where we absolutely know the answer, and then we're out of season, and sometimes we don't know the answer. Very simple question. Who am I? Who am I? Who are you this morning? If I ask you the question, who are you? Would you fully understand who you are? Would you be able to answer that question in an instant saying, this is who I am? And would that person understand your answer and comprehend your answer? Sometimes we, we answer that question because, am I what I do for a living? Is that who I am? Is it because I'm a CEO, that's who I am? Because I'm an artist, that's who I am. Are you, if I ask you the question, who are you? Are you what you are doing for a living? Are you the businessman? Are you the CEO? Are you, are you just a stay-at-home dad or mom? Or, or who are you this morning? Or am I what I have achieved in life? What I've done, what I, I, was, I was captain uh, of, of the school team and, and, and I was this, I, I am what I have achieved. Who are you this morning? Or are you what you've done wrong in life? How do you see yourself this morning? How do you see who you are this morning? Or are you what other people think of you? Maybe funny or intelligent or friendly. Who am I? Who am I? See, if I'm going to, to be what I'm doing, I'm going to end up always performing. Because you always want to add value. If you're going to see yourself as what you are doing in life, I'm a CEO, I am a businessman. You're going to always end up performing in life because you want to add value and constantly add value. If you're going to, to see yourself as how other people see you, you're always going to be a people pleaser in, in, in this life because you have to keep up the standards. People see you as the friendly one. That means you can't be angry. They're going to then perceive you as angry. Then people see you as angry. Then you have to be angry all the time. Because who am I this morning? See, the answer to that question can really be found once you fully understand who God the Father is to you this morning. And once you understand and fully understand who he is as a loving father, that will help you understand who you are this morning. And, and, it, and it actually will, will answer three basic questions for us in our identity of who we are. See, if we are going to discover who he is, we are also going to discover where we stand where we stand, we're going to discover uh, what we have, and we're also going to discover who we are. But we have to see him for who he really is. So let's go back to the story, because in the story, three things come up from a loving father. And sometimes we miss these three things uh, and, and the significance of these three things. See, this boy, firstly, he, he, he dishonored his dad by asking him for his inheritance. 
And in that culture, I've mentioned how bad that is. He then goes and squanders it. And as he squanders it, he, he lives among the pigs. And just a reminder again, the stories being told to the Pharisees, they would have been mad at this time, angry, red in the face, because this boy should be stoned. No questions asked. And Jesus tells the story. And in this story, this boy, come, he comes to his senses and, and he decides, he's talking to himself, I'm going to write a letter to my dad, I'm going I'm to practice it out, and then I'm going to tell him, I'm not worthy of being your son. And he goes home. And while he was still far, his dad was looking out and he saw him. And when he, the son got to his dad, Hear the heart of a loving father. And once you discover the three significant things of the things that the father does, you're going to fully understand how this father is just loving his boy. Because he's ran, he ran up. And here's the instructions of the dad. Quickly, quickly, get him the best robe. Get him the best robe. What is the significance of the best robe in this story? See, the best robe, this robe represents righteousness. It represents righteousness. And you have to understand, this boy was, was on his way to his father. And this dad knew that if the scribes and the Pharisees and the leaders of those days saw this boy, they would have captured him, taken him to the first entrance of the city, and they would have stoned him to death. Why? Because he's, he's dishonored his dad, and he was reeking with bacon. And the, the father saw him from a distance, and he says, listen, get this boy the best robe. Why? Because he was full of sin. He was a boy that disowned him. And the father knew if they got him, they would have killed him. But he loved him so much that, that not only did he get him the best robe. Interesting enough, this dad ran towards him. It's interesting that the dad ran towards him. Church, Jews don't run. It was against the law for him to run. This dad was not allowed to run. But hear the heart of a loving father. This boy was in, immersed in a sinful life. His dad saw him from a distance and he ran towards him. He broke custom so that he can save his boy. And I'm telling you this morning, if you want to understand God as a loving father, one, in, one foot in God's direction this morning, and he will, go, he will break custom to save you, church. God is a loving father, and he's willing to break the custom so that he can save you and me. And he covers his boy with a with the best robe, saying, hey, 
represents righteousness. You may be reeking of bacon. You have maybe dis disobeyed and dishonored me, but I love you so much, I'm going to cover you in righteousness. And then, says in Isaiah 43, 25, he says, I am the one who wipes out your transgressions for my sake, and I do not remember your sins. If you want to know God as a loving father, sometimes the devil, and most of the times, he reminds of us of our past constantly. But God, your father, is standing ready with a robe of righteousness this morning and saying, I do not remember those sins. And the devil is going to constantly remind you of your past. You just constantly remind him of his future. You're covered in righteousness this morning. He also give him, gives him a ring for his finger. See, the ring speaks of authority. It speaks of authority. Not, over, not only is this boy covered in righteousness, he gives him a ring for his finger that, that he gives him authority. It speaks of authority and provision. Because see, in that day, it, it would have been like a modern day credit card. The boy probably had a ring, but, but had to sell it because of his lavish lifestyle that he wanted to live and entertain his friends. He didn't have the ring anymore. Didn't have his own ring anymore, but the dad gave him a new ring. And if he would have gone to the market, he, the way he would have paid for, for stuff at the market is probably dipped that ring in, in, in a bit of wax and, and then made an imprint to pay for it. And whoever was at the market would have known that ring and the signature on that ring. They probably would not have trusted this boy because they knew his bank account was empty. But they trusted the, the, the dad's ring because they knew he had provision. He had the means to pay. There was provision provided. So it gave this boy suddenly the authority and the provision of what is in the dad's bank account. And it also signals to us, church, as believers and as children of the living God, we have the authority, church, but we also have the provision from our living God. And you may be feeling this morning, you, you may feel, but, but I'm coming up short. You, 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 you are not coming up short because you have the provision of the living Father. You have the authority of the living Father. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says the following, And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. You, you're going to have all things in all time. Why? Because we are sons and daughters of the living God and He has given us that authority. And provision, church. And not only does he give us the ring and give this boy the ring, he also gives him shoes. This is a loving father. Was looking out in the distance. He ran towards his son, breaking custom because he wanted to cover him in righteousness. He gave him a ring and says, All the authority speaks about authority and provision. But you also need shoes. Why does he need shoes? 
Because sons and daughters wore shoes. Slaves were barefoot. And it's a way of telling this boy, despite what you have done, despite what you've squandered, despite the way you've been living, and despite feeding the pigs and working as a slave, I, as a loving father, don't regard you as a slave. You're my son. You're my daughter. And John 8, 36, so profound, says, so if the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. Church, we've been paid for, and Jesus has paid a very dear price so that we can be and called sons and daughters of the Most High. You don't have to live with a slave mentality anymore. You don't have to live by thinking you have to, to work for your salvation. Jesus has paid for it on the cross of Calvary. You've been set free. You're a son and you are a daughter of the Most High. See, if we, if we know God the Father and what He has done for us, we can answer the question, where do we stand this morning? We can answer this question, what do you have and who you are? Because once you understand God as a loving Father and you fully understand the love that He has for you this morning, you can understand who you are and comprehend because where do, where do I stand this morning? Where do you stand? I stand in righteousness. You stand this morning in righteousness. What do you have? You have authority. You have authority. And who am I? Am I the broken one? Am I the one that's lost? Am I the one that, that, that's good for nothing? No. We are a child of the Most High God, a loving Father. A loving Father. There was an interesting moment. And I think it was this moment where, where the son told his dad and, and where he told him, I'm, I'm, no, I'm not worthy to be your son anymore. He says in verse 21, And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Imagine for a moment, I go to my mum and I tell her, hey mum, I'm not, I'm not worthy to be your son anymore. I, I'm not worthy to be a Buerta anymore. For those wondering, that's my surname. She would answer me probably the following, saying, Zalvin, that is stupid. You're not stupid, but that is stupid. Because you're a Buerta, not because of your worth, but because of birth. And we have to catch that. This son told his dad, I'm not worthy, but his dad responded in the best stuff. Not because of his worth, but because of his birth. And I guess that's why Jesus is saying to us, we have to be born again. 
because we get the Jesus DNA once we get born again. Then we're sons and daughters. You see, my mom would say, that is stupid, Zalvin, because you're gonna walk like a Buddha, you're gonna talk like a Buddha, you're gonna live by a Buddha. It's not because of your worth, but because of your birth. You can't shake your Buddha DNA. And once we are born again and we accept God as our loving Father, we're going to understand who we are and then we know that we can't shake our Jesus' DNA because He's a loving Father and He has gifts for us. And as I conclude, there's another boy there. There's There's another son in this story. And how quickly do we all see ourselves in the prodigal son story, hey? Very quickly, I, I was bad. Now, turn to Jesus, and, and that's for us. We, why, why do we do that? Because we all love a good redemption story as well. And we, we, we like to side with it because it resonates with our heart. I'm not sure about you, but in this story, having been raised by a strict dad, loving father, strict sometimes resonate with the older son and his, his attitude in, in this whole setting. James, you can come up. I'm, I'm going to start finishing. I mean, the attitude of the older brother is he's in the fields and he's hearing some music and some dancing and he's coming closer. He asks the servant, what's happening? Hey, your brother is back. Your brother is back. And we're throwing the best party for him. Best music is playing. And we've slaughtered the fattened calf. This older boy, he's angry. He's very angry. And I think church, rightly so. If it was me, if it was me, I would say to the younger son, hey, you sit in the corner, you don't get to dance. You get to watch. But you don't dance. Little brat <laughs> squandered everything. Good old days, he would have gotten hiding, but we're not in that days anymore. And this, this oldest son goes, Hey, dad, you've never given me a party, you've never slaughtered a goat for me and my friends. I've always been with you. I've always served you. I've always honored you. The loving father's response to the second son is the following. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. We sometimes resonate with the, with the youngest son because it's a great redemption story. But the matter of the fact is that most of us, Jesus is portraying us as the second son in this story. Because the first son is probably for those who are not here yet. They're living worldly lives. They don't know Jesus yet. They've disowned Him. They don't know God the Father. They haven't met Him yet. They don't know He's a loving dad. They are still lost. Jesus is telling this story 
to the scribe, to the Pharisees, and to us as Kenmore Church, as believers, and who, who have been around the block a couple of times. And we would probably side with the second son because, hey, what is happening? Because we see it. People come to faith and you just see their lives, blessings upon blessings, and suddenly things happen. And things happen in their life and you go, what, what? Jesus, I was serving you a long time and I, I have not been given a car. I've not been given a new job and I've not been this and that. And Jesus' response in this story is, Son, daughters, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. Let's just translate that for a moment. Everything in the fridge has always been yours. Go get your goat. Everything that is available in this property is yours. Help yourself because you can freely come and freely receive and you have already and standing already in righteousness, you have the authority, you are my son and daughter, you have shoes on your feet. What are you waiting for? You've always been with me and everything that I own is yours. Sometimes we just look around and see blessings that other people receive. Meanwhile, there's blessings already for us. We've just not taken it. Church, God has called you not just for a natural life, but for a supernatural life. And it is freely available for you this morning. But your response cannot be, I'm going to stand outside, although I like the tune, but I'm going to stand outside. Jesus is, God is a loving, Jesus is telling the story of God, a loving father, and his response to you as, as a longtime believer is, the house is open. The fridge is stocked. You can have whatever you want. It's always been yours. But we have to take it, church, and we have to start living that life where we forget about the past things because church, just as the younger son, you are covered and standing in righteousness this morning. Just like the, the younger son, you have the authority that's been given to Jesus and you have the provision available. And just like the younger son, you are a son and a daughter of the most high loving father. It's yours. You have to live it, walk in it, take it. Don't stand. And maybe it's just a prophetic word and going off script and Pat is not here and I can expect the email. Or... For too long, you're standing like this through the window. God has so much more for you and you're longing for it. But you're standing on the side window and, and peeking. The door on the side is open. There's an open door for you. Just go inside and, and experience what God has for you. That is a word that I strongly feel is for someone this morning. Stop 
peaking of what God has for you and start experiencing Him as a loving Father and know Him so that you can experience in what He has for you this morning. Come on, let's pray. Lord, thank You for Your goodness and Your grace and and Your mercy, Lord. And thank You that You are a loving Father. Lord, as we sit here, some of us, because of our view of our earthly dads, we are struggling to see you in this way, Lord. And I pray this morning, Lord, that you will break that for us so that we can see you for who you truly are. A loving Father who has the best gifts for us. Lord, I pray for those people who are standing at the window and looking inwardly. I pray, Lord, that we'll stop looking and just walk inside and fully experience what you have for us as believers, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy and your grace. And as every eyes is closed and every head is bowed. Maybe you're sitting here and saying, Zawin, I'm actually, I am the first son. I'm the one that went away from God. Maybe you have never accepted God because you didn't understand Him as a loving Father. Jesus has a gift for you this morning and that gift is eternal life. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to earn it. He paid the price, and that's why it's called grace. You just have to accept it. I'm not going to expose you or anything, but I want to give you an invitation to accept Jesus Christ as your Father this morning. A loving Father. We're just going to pray for you and with you this morning. That's it. I'm not going to call you to the front. But you have to respond. If you want to accept Jesus Christ this morning as your Lord and Savior, as a loving Father, you just quickly raise your hand and let it down. I'm I'm not going to call you out or anything. You can let it down. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You can let it down. Thank you. I'm going to invite all of us to pray after me. There's four hands that I saw went up. We're going to pray as they accept the gift of salvation. And then we're going to celebrate because the heavens is already roaring this morning because of new life. So everyone who got their hand up, pray after me. But the rest of the church, come on, let's support them by praying after me as well. Lord Jesus, I come this morning before you. And I declare that I'm a sinner. But thank you for your grace. I accept the gift of salvation and I declare you as my Lord and as my Savior. Thank you for forgiving all of my sins. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 